Thank you for listening to Radio Never Apart. I'm your host, Jordan King. Radio Never Apart is a monthly interview podcast feature, which we started at the beginning of 2020, available uh, as part of the Never Apart online magazine. Never Apart is a non-profit organization in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, with the mission of initiating social change and spiritual awareness through cultural programming. Currently, exhibitions and events at Centre Never Apart's home base in the Mile X neighborhood of Montreal are on hold, while health authorities uh, are gradually reopening services and permitting small gatherings of people. Uh, But for now, the best way to find out the current status of upcoming events and what's going to be happening at Centre Never Apart is to visit the website neverapart.com or also check out social media channels like Instagram and Twitter under the username at neverapartmtl. On the Never Apart website, there's also past exhibition recaps, the Legends series of in-person interviews with artists who have previously shown in the various gallery spaces of Never Apart. Um, There's lots of incredible content there. The focus of this season of Radio Never Apart has been nightlife communities, and I've focused primarily on New York nightlife history. But in this episode, I'm speaking with my longtime friend, Sean Thompson, who's one of the co-founders of an event in Edmonton, Alberta, in central Canada, called Fruit Loop. The LGBTQ2S plus community in Edmonton uh, was in an interesting and challenging situation for a period of time in 2013. They didn't have any dedicated queer nightlife venues to go out to. This led to the launch of Fruit Loop, which Sean and I get into here. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Sean Thompson. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so looking forward to this. We've known each other for many, 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 many moons. It's true. I I, I don't even remember how long, like couple of decades doesn't yeah. doesn't matter too much. It doesn't had... matter. We don't need to we don't need a number. Tell me about yourself. What do you do? Sure. Well, my name is Sean Thompson, as you know. I'm a freelance designer and co-founder of Fruit Loop here at Edmonton, Alberta. I pretty much lived here all my life, wow. except for a short stint in Jasper, Alberta. Wow. Um, and yeah, just something about the city keeps keeps keeping me here. And, yeah. You know, family, friends, relationship. Um, it's it's a good place to be. You're a part of the fabric of the city in my mind. Like I really, you've done so much, and you've created a lot there. Um, tell me about Fruit Loop. Uh, that's obviously why we're speaking today primarily, but tell me about Fruit Loop. Sure. Yeah. Well, Fruit Loop is an Edmonton-based volunteer-led nonprofit. So we basically provide uh, inclusive events, dynamic social media, and um, focus on special initiatives for Alberta's LGBTQ2S plus community. Um, um and we've just turned seven, actually, last April. It's exploded over the last seven years, for sure. And we'll sponsor or co-host um, smaller events as well. We had no idea it was going to get this big. I mean, we set out to just start, you know, throwing these small parties. And uh, clearly, there was a need for it. Yeah. And so for somebody who has no clue where Edmonton even is, 
they're wondering where the heck is Edmonton? What are you even talking about? Uh, <laughs> what should people know about Edmonton? Um, well, there's lots to know, but I can give you the quick and dirty version. I mean, Edmonton is the capital city of the province of Alberta, which uh, for your American listeners is just north of the state of Montana, for those who don't right. know. Yes. Um, our population is constantly growing. I think it's sitting at around 1.3 million at this point. Wow. I'd have to double check that, but I know we're, we've definitely surpassed a million. Huh. Um, Alberta's like primary industries are like farming, ranching, uh, petroleum, and you know those play a major part in the province's culture and identity. That being said, Edmonton is known for its abundance of art, cultural, yes. and music festivals, which is how it got its nickname of Festival City. Wow. Um, like Edmonton is home to, uh, I think the oldest and largest fringe festival in North America. Um, the Edmonton folk festival is recognized as one of the best in the world. When I sort of describe this, you know, certain elements of Canada, I think people have like no clue what the middle of Canada is really about. (laughs) And I would tell them, you know, if you imagine Montana, that's maybe like a similar kind of a landscape or like Idaho, some of those, you know, mid Northern Midwestern states where there is like a bit of a cowboy culture, especially in Calgary, the stampede, which is so massively popular as a part of the identity of that city. But Edmonton has an incredible art scene and there's a really vibrant art culture there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for, for oil country, uh, it's pretty diverse and we got a very vibrant, uh, arts and culture scene. The theater scene here is huge. Um, I think it would surprise a lot of people actually. Yeah. And the fringe festival as well is like so massive. Like it really transforms the whole city when that's happening. And there, I think the first time I ever came to know that there was something really special about the Edmonton fringe festival was when a book came out called the Edmonton queen. That was quite an incredible book based on a play that was first written, performed in Edmonton. Um, and it was talking about Edmonton's drag scene in the 1980s, which was like incredibly vibrant from the sounds of it, the way the book portrayed it and was centered around one club in particular that might as well have been like Studio 54, but happening right <laughs> in the middle of Canada, the way that the book portrayed it. It was like, it's quite an amazing book. That was probably referencing... Um the club flashback yes. I would presume yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah in the early 80s flashback had become like a queer nightlife hot spot in Edmonton yeah super famous for its drag shows and epic parties um and in fact I believe the North American billboard magazine named flashback as one of its 10 best clubs in all of North America which is crazy yeah, like I, the, I haven't read that book in many, many, many years. But when I read it, I just remember being so blown away at the description of what kind of club it was and the kind of drag mm-hmm. that was happening there. And uh, it's been celebrated in Edmonton for quite a long time. Oh, yes. People still talk about it to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's ever been replicated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of the things that doing this podcast has brought some awareness around and I try to not get stuck 
solely in the past and talking about how amazing it was and it used to be. I feel like there's lots we can carry forward as we go forward into the future and we imagine new concepts and stuff like that. But there's certainly moments where people are telling me stories or I'm rehashing even memories of my own and thinking, oh my gosh, like it was so incredible. It will never be like that ever again. Because it was at that time, there just was a lot of energy in nightlife, and clubs were really vibrant. I think the eighties was huge for that too, because the gay scene, well, in Edmonton anyway, from the sounds of it, was was really you know just getting going. Yeah, tell me what you know about Edmonton's queer nightlife history. Well, from the little research I've done, the first gay bar was way back in nineteen sixty nine called Club Seventy. Wow. It was a tiny club in the basement of a Greek restaurant. Uh, I think it only hold about 50 people. And the vibe, from what I understand, was more of a house party than a nightclub. Hmm. But it was the first queer space in the city and really the origin of Edmonton's drag scene. Wow. And then it had a few reincarnations over the years, uh, from Cha-Cha Club to Boots and Saddles, which was around for quite some time. Yeah. Um, which you probably might have been there at some point um and then it became the junction and uh that unfortunately closed i think it was 2012 um there were of course like lots of other unofficial queer hangouts at that time as well people just kind of had to get creative and congregate where they deemed it safe to do so club 70 what was it based on that it it managed to sort of be connected to all the venues that you named from what i understand like club 70 was the first and then it, it, it maybe moved at one point and then changed owners or management. And that's where these um, reiterations came in or reincarnations came in over the years. So, huh. um, you know, bars change over time or evolve and um, as the times change. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure back in the early 70s, you know, it was a very... Um, subtle scene very secretive scene it wasn't sort of out and about it was very what's the word I'm looking for it was clandestine right it was sort of like it existed but it was all all kind of hush hush and it was like if you were in the know and that's right and then as as time went by you know people got more comfortable and bars you know expanded and and more people were coming out and going out to bars so um it was a slow evolution, to say the least. Yeah. And then, I think going into about the mid-70s, that's when sort of the two, in my opinion, most legendary queer nightclubs opened. That would have been Flashback and The Roost. I think by the early 80s, like Flashback and The Roost were like the big ones. Yeah. Uh, probably even in all of Alberta. I didn't realize that The Roost had been opened in the 70s. That's incredible. And the Roost was open for 30 years. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, like, that's crazy to think. That's a long time for a gay bar to be yeah. open. Well, in, in Canada, anyways. Yeah. Unfortunately, Flashback closed in the early 90s, I believe, which was right when I was in high school. So I'm sad to say I missed it in all its glory. Yeah. But um, The Roost, however, because it stayed open for so long, I definitely got to enjoy it for many years. Yeah. Um, it was definitely one of my favorites for sure not yeah. only for its size but seeing diverse clientele yeah like you would I, I remember running into like old school teachers or neighbors or just random people not necessarily even queer it was for everyone and I started going there in the mid 90s and kept going until it closed in 2006 but it had like two quite spacious levels yeah multiple bars a huge patio um two big dance floors so lots of room to move around and 
yeah. cruise or we just kind of did our little circuit. We'd go upstairs and do a circle, then go downstairs and do a circle and just have literally something for everyone there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Roost was incredible. I have amazing memories of going there and hanging out with you there and just the energy and there was like at one point in time there was a network of different not maybe a network but there was at least a few different places that you might bounce around between like I remember um another one called Buddies and Boots and Saddles was open at that time yeah you know, for sure like for a few years um like after the roost um Boots and Saddles closed the only real bars that was open was buddies really that you can go dancing to and ended up closing I think in 2015 or 2016 but we just kind of bounced back and forth from buddies and the roost like buddies would be our Friday night hangout the roost would be Saturdays um and but buddies was great too I mean it was down in a basement and it was sort of a little more dark and ominous but super fun I mean we went there steadily every Friday night for years I performed at buddies and the roost like I I really put some time in in Edmonton's nightlife Oh, I definitely remember your performance at Buddies. It was uh, yeah one for the books. That I, <laughs> I that something about that space really connected with me, or I connected with it, or something. There, was, I'm going to describe my memory of it, and then you can take it from anything that I'm missing or that I don't remember. So the performance area was quite unique. I still can't think of anywhere else that I've really seen that was like it, where there was multiple platforms and there was like a kind of like a go-go cage. And when you were on stage, when you were performing, you basically had use of all these different levels as well as this cage. It was quite like a fun place to perform. And that teeny tiny little dressing room, being backstage with the queens in in that little room. Ah, I have such fond memories of it. It was so fun. (laughs) Funny thing with buddies is that every, I don't know, year or two, they do some kind of reno and, and like move a wall or just switch it up. So if you hadn't been in a year or two to come down, it'd kind of almost be like a whole new bar. There'd be a different path or a different flow. At one point, there was like a booth like above the bar. Yeah, I remember I that as well. We sat up there one time. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so it was constantly evolving, but... It, you know, it was guaranteed there was something going on there any night of the week. Um, so, you know, we, if we were bored on a Wednesday or Thursday, it's like, why not go to Buddies and see what's going on? Yeah. That could have been at a time when there was no other gay bar in the city. Yeah. So, which is why they had stuff going on every night. It's like, uh, at some point, um, Woody's opened up, which was more of like a pub vibe. And that was right above Buddies. And that was good for what it was. And it was a bit of an older crowd. But I mean, Buddies was always you know, the place to be on a Friday night. Yeah. And describe from your lens, the queer scene in Edmonton, since you've been, you know, out and going out and stuff like that. I mean, as I was saying for like a few years, Buddies was the only gay club in town where you could go dancing, but it it closed around like 2015, 2016. Eventually a couple other bars opened, but never really lasted more than a year or two. There's another flashback or just called Flash and there's another one called Play. Um, it, it was a tough time for queer nightlife after 2010, I want to say. Yeah. Um, Edmonton went from having about five gay bars to down to two and then eventually to none for a short period. Yeah. Um, it wasn't looking good. Uh, they were in dire need of new queer nightlife scene and we were just like dumbfounded as to why why the city could not sustain more than one club or three or four. Like what happened? Yeah. 
we discussed with a lot of friends and family in the community, like, you know, is it the formula of the old school nightclub? Is that sort of dying or do, does the city see need to reinvent itself? Like, what's the solution? What's going on? And it's not like there wasn't a lack of energy because I always remember going to Edmonton and thinking, wow, oh my goodness, like, look at the drag here. There's like a, a, a lot of it. There, that, it was kind of exploding. RuPaul's Drag Race, more and more performers were getting up on stage, putting on a show that was phenomenal. Around that time when there wasn't many options, the scene was was growing again. It was like a second wave because you got to think like a lot of the patrons of Flashback and the Roost, like those people are getting a bit older, don't necessarily want to go to this clubs. Yeah. And then now, you know, every year there's 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 new, you know, there's a new baby scene emerging. Yeah. yeah. And someone needs to take the reins and, and you know, Bars are closing because owners are either passing away or they're retiring. or um, So it's just sort of in this weird phase where there wasn't many options and it wasn't for lack of interest. It just people sort of didn't know what to do. Yeah. Prior to Fruit Loop, I had organized a few pop-up queer nights, mm-hmm. uh, some straight bars, primarily just to breathe some new life into the diminishing gay nightlife scene. Yeah. Um, and I could tell that there was a huge need for it. I often got asked to throw more parties or why don't you, why don't you open a gay bar? Yeah. You know, I mean, I wasn't really interested in opening a club, but I was definitely interested in being a part of a, a nightlife scene. I was confused as to why nobody was stepping up to the plate. Um, so after, you know, many conversations with friends and people in the community, um, myself and two close friends created a formula for a pop-up event that catered to all demographics of the LGBTQ2S plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, we sort of saw a lack of uh, events that were catered for everyone, young and old. Like, yeah. you know, there, there were spots for the 20-somethings, but... You know, there's people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, like seniors that still wanted to go out. Yeah. So we basically wanted to create a place where you could socialize, you know, reconnect, dance, um, check out some entertainment, and then all while supporting the local LGBTQ organizations, performers, artists, etc. Yeah. So um, right now, like every event we throw, we team up with one or two community partners to help them raise funds or awareness for their organization with the ultimate goal of building Edmonton's community as a whole. Yeah. And there's a lot of small little niche organizations like LGBTQ organizations that we didn't even know existed because Hmm. they're just so small. And a lot of of these organizations weren't necessarily working together. Um, They just sort of existed on their own. Um, which might have been another reason why the scene sort of got stagnant for a while. So again, in our brainstorming, we're like, well, what's a formula where we can start including all of these organizations together? Yeah. Um, And that's sort of how we got going on Fruit Loop. It's an ambitious goal, let me tell you, to to have started out with it. I I mean, and it really, um, I mean, it's come to fruition. I think you guys have done it. I think you've done an incredible job as it's continued to grow and evolve and that it hasn't been without challenges, but... Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, to be honest. Um, I think we, well, our first event was in May of 2013, uh, Yellowhead Brewery, and we had no idea if it would be a success or a flop. Yeah. Uh, we opened our doors at, I think, 7 p.m., and the first hour or so was super slow, so we were panicking. (laughs) Yeah. But then at about 9 or 9.30, there was a lineup around the block, and it was amazing. We thought, okay, okay, no, we 
the scene still needs this. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we are up and running. And like I said, we typically throw about eight events a year. Um, and then we'll co-host some or sponsor other, several others. So to date, I think we've thrown and or co-hosted close to 70 events, I want to say. Wow. I don't know. I lost count years ago, but <laughs> I mean, the, the joy of it is really that the revenue generated from all these events gets directly injected back into the community. Yeah. Uh, and seven years later, we're still going strong. And a big component of it that I think is quite impressive is that you have utilized social media technology, digital communication to engage with your, you know, your audience and your community because it's, you know, Canada, especially, I, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this necessarily, it's geographically quite sort of dispersed, right? So even in, in Edmonton, like it's, the population is going to be what it is, but it's really quite spread out. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's definitely a city, especially in the winter, that you're going to want to have a car for to get around. Yeah, um, Things are definitely spread out. So trying to get people together um, can be tricky for sure. Yeah. But, um, I mean, like I said, clearly there was there was a need for it. And, and, I mean, the evidence is there. I mean, you come to one of our events and it's... You know, there's everything from 18 year olds to 80 year olds. It's yeah. People, you know, it's, and it's not really meant to be a nightclub vibe, even though it does have that vibe. But it's it's more of like a social or a mixer, and that's what we tell people that have never been. Yeah. Um. You know, it's everyone's welcome. You know, no one will ever get turned away, and guaranteed you'll run into people you haven't seen in ages. It's so incredible. It's really, um, yeah, I think it's so amazing what, what you guys have, have been able to do. Um, I also think that not having it in a traditional nightclub type setting, because you did move on from, like I know you've thrown Fruit Loops in places like theaters, and it hasn't just stayed in sort of even bars or pubs, like places where the focus isn't necessarily on alcohol service as the sort of, you know, primary venue I think it also creates an interesting dimension for people that are interested or want to go. Yeah, I think that's another reason why it sort of keeps people enticed and excited is because we try to pop up at different venues throughout the city. Every place, like you said, from a theater to a brewery, we do pop up at nightclubs. They're not gay nightclubs, but they're just, you know, or music venues. Yeah. Places like that. So people always get for, look forward to, you know, where, where's the next Fruit Loop going to be? Where are they yeah. going to pop up next? Um, and we've, over the years, we've really um, built some really great relationships with some of the local ven- venues in Edmonton, and um, they've supported us, like, huge, um, you know, like, we they'll waive, you know, rental fees and stuff like that. They just want to be involved and, and help support our cause. Yeah, and because you're a not-for-profit, it, again, it's not necessarily like a promoter who's coming in whose goal, maybe let's say, is to you know capitalize on the community. Your intention is to raise money for the community and that that stays within the community and that it's sort of built into the formula of what you do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, once we sort of were up and running after our first year, um, then we started getting venues call us saying, hey, do you want to throw your event at our venue? And this is what it looks like. And we started growing out of our first few venues really quickly and needed to look for larger venues because we became so successful so quickly. And not only that, like performers, um, DJs, I mean, we were getting all kinds of requests and it was amazing. We now have a full-on Rolodex of 
outstanding local performers, artists, DJs that we continue to support year after year. Yeah. I love the term Rolodex, although, Sean, it does age us a little bit, but I do love the term Rolodex. <laughs> I'm sure there's a digital version out there. Kids are like, what the hell is a Rolodex? Yeah, they're Googling it right now. I hope so. Tell me about some of your Fruit Loop highlights, maybe like some memorable moments or performances. The biggest highlight for me is just getting to collaborate with so many amazing local LGBTQ2S plus organizations and performers. Yeah. I mean, we, we've met so many awesome people throughout our events, and I've never felt more connected to Edmonton's vibrant queer community yeah. ever. Um, so that that's that would have to be number one, just the, the camaraderie and the relationships that we've been making with all of these smaller organizations is just outstanding. Yeah. One of the most flattering compliments we've received was from an elderly gay man who was recently at a Fruit Loop, and he said, our events remind him of the roots which just like struck a chord. I was like, oh my God, like what a, what a nice compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when we both reminisced on the energy and how sort of diverse and incredible it was to go to the roost, that is, that's a massive compliment. Oh yeah. I think in particular, he was talking about just the general vibe and the community that the fact that the crowd was such a mixed and diverse crowd Yeah, because it's a little hard to come by these days. Like you go to nightclubs in different cities and it's, there's, there's a certain demographic that these nightclubs cater to. Yes. Um, So to try and get uh, all demographics of the spectrum under one roof for a night is amazing. And it just makes for just such a good vibe. There are a lot of barriers in a lot of cities and especially in some of the larger cities around the world. So I think to have a space and to have an, an event that is meant to be sort of truly welcoming and that you're providing something that people can attend and feel comfortable regardless of like where they might be in the community, yeah. I think that that's hugely important. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was it was something we had talked about from the very beginning. Like we don't want to just throw parties for the sake of having a party there's got to be more to it than that yeah um and we don't want to just cater to the 20 somethings or the you know whatever demographic it's got to be for everyone or for no one so um it was really important that we made sure it was an accessible well all-inclusive event that everyone and anyone could um partake in and that's sort of one of the best things when people say like what's your favorite thing about fruit loop well i mean it's the crowd. It's the people that come out really is probably my favorite thing. You just, you, you spend, you know, the entire night walking around and, and catching up with so many familiar faces from the community. And then on top of that, you get exposed to stellar local entertainment and DJs. Um, so it's a win-win for them as well. They get, you know, new and up and coming performers, whether they're burlesque or drag, they get this stage, this platform to perform on um, that, might be otherwise more difficult for them to achieve so they love it like we get performers often asking like can i perform at the next fruit loop like i'd love to get out there and try some new moves or a routine so we love it just give me a sampling of the different kinds of performances that you've had in the past we've tried a lot of different things like we found we've had some musical acts we've had some fashion shows I think the majority is probably drag and burlesque at this point. We really have a great entertainment director right now who's amazing and does this awesome mix of drag and burlesque almost at every Fruit Loop. 
Um, so that's sort of where we're at now. And in, in the first year, it was a lot of let's try this out, and you know, it had some folk singers and little things like this. So, and it, you learn really quickly what will you know lose your audience and what will keep their attention. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, right now, I don't think Edmonton's drag scene and burlesque scene has ever been this vibrant. Like it's exploding here right now. Amazing. I mean, I've really seen some incredible drag in Edmonton. I bow down to some of those performers uh, and some actually very incredible bio queens, which is yes. quite, uh, I don't know, there's something quite distinctive about the the vibe in Edmonton and some of the, you know, the queens in Edmonton. The lovely and talented bio queens of Edmonton perform at a few different Fruit Loops, as well as drag kings. There's no real limit as to what we can and cannot have on our stage. We're pretty open to anything. And one of the performers who you and I both know very well is Teen Jesus Barbie. He was a uh, co-founder as well. Yeah. And, uh, she's going to be back for our Pride event coming in June. Yeah, amazing. We have to spend a moment to talk about Teen Jesus Barbie. We've both known Joshua, whose drag name is Teen Jesus Barbie, for yeah. each of us many, many, many years. I got to know Joshua in Vancouver, and we hosted a little cabaret kind of experimental art cabaret is what I would call it in Vancouver in the very early 2000s. And that was when Teen Jesus Barbie came into existence as a stage persona for Joshua. And I continue to be just floored. His drag just gets better and better and better all the time. I'm such a huge fan. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, we all are. I can't wait to see what he's going to pull for this (laughs) next event. But yeah, he was, he was a co-founder and our, entertainment director and, and hosted a lot of the events for the first couple of years of Fruit Loop and um, always hilarious and amazing to watch perform. My yeah. God. Um, <laughs> never a dull moment on stage, that is for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Pride has always been a really huge event for Fruit Loop. You've done something every year, right? As long as I can remember that Fruit Loop's been in existence. Oh, yeah. The last few years, we have usually done like a big uh, street party. Um, Obviously, this year's Pride will be a bit different than previous years. We won't be doing that um, this year. But like many businesses and organizations, we had to adapt and make some changes to our formula um, with this new covid climate we're living in yeah um so we've sort of decided to pivot and are doing a live streaming event on june 13 called pride at home cool yeah it'll feature an array of amazing local performers um with some special appearances and shout outs from local celebs and businesses uh, we're also excited to have Edmonton's two spirit society as our community partner for this event they are an awesome organization. I can't wait to see what they have planned for their performances. Cool. We're in an unprecedented time, as we've all heard probably too many times to count, but it's really going to change a lot for the summer season for events everywhere. Uh, Pride in particular is is one that I think is going to be significantly impacted, but I felt a certain amount of hope and just sort of, uh, I guess, you know, I'm impressed by the optimism and the resilience to, like you said, sort of shift gears, but continue to move forward with planning what would be feasible for your organization. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, back in March, we had to cancel a couple of Fruit Loop events that we had um, over the last months, and we were just racking our brains because, you know, we, we 
thought we have to do something. What that is, we we didn't know at that time, but yeah. we knew going forward, you know, we're going to have to adapt and, and come up with a new strategy to still produce events and engage and support the community. Obviously, like, yeah, there is no pride anything this year in Edmonton. Um, so we just figured, you know, let's, let's bring pride to the people in their homes. Mm-hmm. This is totally a new venture for us. Um, definitely a learning curve. We've never done anything like this before, but we have a stellar production team and with sponsorship from TD bank, I think it's going to be a fantastic show. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. It will be streamed live on a few different channels. Your best place to go for more information would be our um, Facebook page or our website, um, which is just fruitloop.ca. Um, we'll, we'll be broadcasting on three different platforms, um, Facebook, YouTube, and I think, uh, Twitch would be the third one. Um, we're still, you know, fine tuning those details, but, um, we want to have multiple platforms in case someone's having some issues with one or the other. And yeah, it's going to be about an hour and a half show with, um, all live performances. And then there'll be a bunch of, uh, mixed in. Uh, pre-recorded segments as well yeah it's meant to be an entertaining show with some community partner shout outs so that you still sort of get that sense of pride and community i guess from your living room yeah wherever you're watching so we'll see how it goes it's a it's a first for us that's for sure we have to do something for pride our normal was um throwing big events and we had a big event planned yeah uh for the 13th um and it's sad that we're not going to be able to throw these events because they do generate revenue that we put back into the community. Um, but luckily, we have a really amazing partnership with Sea uh, Change Brewery here in Edmonton uh, on our collaboration beer called Prairie Ferry, which amazing. benefits the LGBTQ plus community year round. Amazing. So they're definitely helping us out in this hard time. Um, it's a blackberry and raspberry wheat ale with a lovely pink hue. And I, love I can it. say with certainty that it's very refreshing. <laughs> Amazing. I've had one or two in my time. But the, the great thing about Sea Change is that they um, they donate a portion of the proceeds from every keg and four pack sold to us at Fruit Loop. Wow. And then it helps us to continue to support and engage the community between our events. So um, I mean they're they're helping us out big time so we can still support our organizations. Amazing. And I guess for the time being, the best place for people to continue to stay up to date and find out what's what's going to be coming up, even with future Fruit Loop events, is through the website and the Facebook page. We'll post the link to the live stream closer to the date. So just keep an eye out um, on our website, our Instagram, and especially our Facebook for all that information. Yeah. Yes, we definitely miss our, our big events where we can hug and see everyone, but um, this will be fun too. Yeah, absolutely. This has been such a pleasure, Sean. I adore you. I'm so impressed with what you guys are doing with Fruit Loop and the vibrancy and vitality of this little jewel in the middle of Canada. So I want to say thank you for talking to me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And on behalf of the board of Fruit Loop, we uh, appreciate you including us in your podcast series. Oh my gosh, of course. People need to know. Well, thank you so much. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to my interview with Sean and found some inspiration in the ways that he and the Fruit Loop co-founders have built a community despite not having a dedicated physical space to throw their events at. To see more of what they're working on, as well as to access their Pride livestream event, which we talked about, find them online at fruitloop.ca and on Instagram, they are fruitloopyeg. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Radio Never Apart. We are now also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so you can subscribe, share, and write a review. I would love to hear your feedback and welcome suggestions for future features and interviews. So please reach out with the word podcast in the subject line to info at neverapart.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Jordan King Archive. Also this month, you'll find a bonus episode hosted by Never Apart's musical director, Letitia Trandafir. She interviews an artist and baker in Queens, New York, named Lexi Smith about the recent resurgence of homemade bread and its significance as a food staple, as a social, cultural, and economic barometer, especially in times of crisis. I'm going to give a huge thank you to Jack Fox for sound editing this episode, my longtime friend DJ Dickie Doo in Berlin for providing theme music, and to the team at Never Apart, especially Executive Director Michael Venus and Dax De Silva, the founder, for supporting the production of this podcast. Until next month, this is your host, Jordan King, signing off.